song like 25 years ago. I forgot. I forgot it. You know, and so it's like there's a couple of notes that I hit sour that I'm still trying to figure out. Just old songs I had written, and then he he knows it. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, I mean one, one of the first videos I saw him, he did our uh, a song called Fear Campaign, where he's playing the drums, guitars, bass, singing, and I know he did the keyboards as well. So, wow! Yeah, that was every every instrument. There's a video on YouTube. Use EMG pickups because they help you get the heaviest tone possible. Head over to emgpickups.com and use my promo code HEAVY at checkout and get 15% off. And then once you write the heaviest song of all time, head over to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Garza and save 30% off your membership to get all your songs on all streaming platforms. And now to the heaviest podcast of all time. We're talking about certain drinks that might affect your throat as a singer, right? Yes. So I heard a really good story one time. Um, I'll, I'll say his name. Be Real. Be Real from Cypress Hill told me one time. Okay. He goes, hey, man, before you go on stage, like at least a few hours before you go on stage, never go down on a girl. Okay. And I was like, why? And he goes, because just the her natural juices could like really dry out your throat. That's a thing? That's a thing, and that's what he told me. And so every other singer that I've ever met, I always tell them that story. That that was the advice I was given about your vocal cords. Has that been tested by multiple I don't know. people? I don't know. Okay. I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't. I'm not a vocalist. So, exactly. So it, it, so it, it doesn't know. apply. So to you got to ask. You got to <laughs> ask the Italian stallion right here, <laughs> Milo, Italian stallion. You are now in Fear Factory. Congrats, man. Thank it's you cool, very much. Dude. It's cool. <laughs> but it's hey. But before we get into everybody, can I introduce everybody? Of course. In the band? I, I, I would love that. That might drop a lot, a lot But easier. I'm going to introduce them how I introduce them live. I saw that. It's cool. Oh, you've seen that? Yes, you know. Okay. <laughs> Great. So we'll start with, with our drummer here. So he's he plays in a band called Havoc, right? Yes. All right. So our drummer, who is a wicked hot hitter. Not just on the drums, but in bed, too. Okay. <laughs> from what we hear from the ladies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, also call him, we also call him the Boston Basher, because he's from fucking Boston. Yeah. Right? So he plays in a band called Havoc. Give it up for Mr. Pete Weber. Pete Weber, come on, baby. Thank you, thank you, thank Beautiful you. Beautiful biceps, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I would also say, stand up, show the ladies what you got. What uh, you, <laughs> I would do that. And all the ladies <laughs> would be like, ooh. You hear ladies in the crowd go, ooh. Oh, fuck. Yeah. See, <laughs> see the double hand? Exactly. <laughs> and then our vocalist here, he's got some very big shoes to fill, and he's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Fresh off the boat from Rome, Italy. Right? Uh, I think the, only the second time he's been in America. The first time was to audition, mm. right? Um, we used to, when I first met him, I used to call him the kid because he's, you know, he's much younger than me, and you know, he had he, big learning experience yeah. just coming over here to the United States. Yeah. But ever since he got his first taste of American pussy, oh, <laughs> we started calling him the Italian Stallion. So give it up for Mr. Milo Silvestro. Milo. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, cr- oh, dude, I like the crowd noises in the back. Genius, dude. 
And so, so far, we've done 56 shows together. Mm-hmm. How many tours? Uh, one, uh, two, one, well, one and a half, one, one two, US. two tours, two one US, one South America, yeah, and then the Milwaukee Metal Fest. Mm. So that's like 56 shows nice. so far. And right now we got another 50-something shows to yeah, go. Yeah, you're booked up for the rest of the year. The rest year. of the year, yeah. We and leave. Then, uh, and the next, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be some big touring coming up next year. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. If I can. You look ready. <laughs> What's up? What uh? At, what was the timeline with that? The show at the whiskey was that like? W- Which one? The one we just did on Cinco de Mayo. That was right after. That, that was right after the Static X tour. That was after, right? Yes, right after. It was okay. We had it. a we had a sellout show at the Belasco mm-hmm. in April, and then we decided to book another show right after that. So, mm. like a week and a half, two weeks later, we played the whiskey on Cinco de Mayo. Genius. Yes, I was I was at that at that one, and uh, you and guys played late. When we, uh, when, dude, when you when you say oh, eleven, oh, always late. It's always late there. You know how fuck, it is, dude. I'm like when, when you're older. I'm like I'm just counting the minutes. I'm not going to be sleeping. But yeah, but, but you had mentioned you might only be there for a few shows, and you I mean a few songs you were going to take off. I remember that, and I, I get yeah. it because you know the older we get, the less we want to hang out late at night. I yes. get it. Yes. But you end up staying longer. Yeah, I stayed up for over half the set because uh, it was <laughs> boom, boom. And then uh, it's, it was a magical show. I thought it was incredible. I was just watching Milo. I was like, damn, he's he's doing it. Thank yeah. you. I, I was very impressed. And not only that, I was just, I was stoked for you, Dino, because just to see you re, re-energized and, and, the, mm-hmm. and the band bringing it and, and fu- just firing away. I'm like, damn, this is, this, this is special and I can't, I can't go home. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I really took my time uh, looking for a vocalist. One, because I was really busy, you know, doing the Soulfly and Cavalier tours, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a couple of years there. And then, but at the same time, I was like doing a lot of auditions uh, on video because, you know, during COVID and a lot of people couldn't even get into, into the country because their country hadn't lifted the travel ban yet, especially, you know, Milo and other people. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I took my time and then I, I, found the right guy obviously mm-hmm. and then he got he got to fly over here and we met in 2021 and i was like okay now it's time to get you prepared for what's to come you know what i mean mm-hmm. and we thought and, and and it wasn't just you know getting him prepared for touring and stuff like that but it was also getting him prepared for yeah the mental psyche of what he's going to endure with the online backlash because mm-hmm. you know he's never really experienced that stuff before and that to some people, it could really affect you. It could really affect, and you. it can it can mess up your game as well. You know what I mean? That is true. You know, it can it, it can get into your psyche, and you can get uh, insecure and blah blah blah. That's I've so seen true, it happen. Man. Yeah, I've seen it happen. So I got to prepare for that. But he hasn't experienced any of that yet. Still, still, Lucky. a little, little bit, but it's oh, yeah. nothing compared to what I get. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What there is, uh, what there is some luck there because you're. Uh, the shows from the Static X tour was being filmed, and there's all this great footage from that tour. Yeah, that's that's some stuff you can't really plan, you know. And then the, there's a show with the whiskey goes up. I'm like, there's some great videos of you guys jamming, and that's that's just luck. Yeah, you know. I believe I picked the right guys for this, mm-hmm. for what I got going on. You know, Pete obviously is an amazing drummer. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's in a thrash metal band called Havoc. They're pretty successful on their own. Um, and he's a fucking wicked hot hitter. And I was like, 
You know, um, yeah. my friend Sean Glass was telling me, you know, you got to get this guy, you got to get this guy. And I'm like, yeah. all right. So he started sending me videos of him on his Twitch channel doing all these Fear Factory covers. I'm like, yeah, I got to get this guy. And so that's exactly how it happened. And something that's been lacking with the Fear Factory sound and vibe, especially live, was just like that. I mean, we were, have, have, have talked about this, that like little extra swing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that little bit extra. Yep. Someone just like, this that something. Yeah. You know, well, cool. I was like, you know, I'm pretty energetic as it is, and I'm pretty hardworking when it comes to music and You're being insane. on tour and stuff like that. So, you know, getting these guys, you know, I needed somebody to match that energy level, and they definitely do mm -hmm. by far. He's probably like beyond energy. <laughs> he's yeah. like, first one there, first one gone, first one in, first one out. He's, he's the first of everything. Really? Yeah, he's super hyper energetic. You don't see it right now. I've always been like that. Yeah. I got it from my dad because he was like always on time and like Speak up even, even early to things. And I kind of just like stuck with me through the years. And I, I think it's been a good thing. He's like, mm. you know, the first to load out, first to load in. He's Dude. like, yeah. First he's, to wake up. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Up. Yeah, everything. Well, what time do you, you wake up? <laughs> um, I'm usually like out of bed by like 9 or 9.30 and then. I'll like work out in the morning, at least when I'm here, uh -huh. and then we'll go to uh -huh. rehearsals in the afternoon. Um, but yeah, I just I can't sleep late usually, and I'm usually in bed pretty early too because when we're here rehearsing too, it's kind of tiring. So mm -hmm. I'm usually in bed by like yeah, 11 o'clock. And this guy, and this guy, he did the tour with us with Static X. He went to South America. Right after that, he went on a tour with this band called Havoc. Uh, so he was touring with Havoc and what's the other band? Toxic Holocaust. They did a tour and then he went yeah, home for like tour. he went home for like a week and a half and came right back here and i had to move yeah and I, had to move. <laughs> I was gonna ask you how, how do you bounce two um so i'll miss a few shows with havoc this fall but mm -hmm. um i'm just gonna do my best you know to do as much as i can you know um it was an awesome opportunity for me to do this so yeah what, what was that like getting the call um, so originally, like you said, we were, we were talking because of my Twitch show and stuff and mm -hmm. Mike Leon invited me out to a Soulfly show and it was like, uh, the Static X tour had, I think was supposed to happen and then ended up getting postponed. But Dino had asked me at that time, uh, you know, if I could do the job and, you know, of course I was like, of course I could do it. You know, I already know 15 songs just off my little show there and, um, mm -hmm. and then it got postponed again, but we kept in contact through the couple years after that and, um. That, here we are. Yeah, because yeah. we originally we originally booked the tour, and then COVID like COVID didn't open up. Because remember, it was, we were only supposed to be shut down for like three months or something like that. Yeah. That's what they told us, the CDC, mm -hmm. whatever. And then, um, so the tour kept getting pushed back because of that. I think it was twice. Yeah, twice it yeah. got pushed back twice. After twice, like it's not going to happen. You know. He, well, <laughs> we 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 were we were both bands were determined to make it happen. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. It was a, you know, we played forty eight shows and forty five of them were sold out. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it was great. Well, even though COVID kind of sucked, it kind of gave you time to look over three hundred submissions. You know. Correct. So that's exactly what to. I did, and I looked over a lot of a uh, lot of videos of stuff, and some of them were funny. Some guy was farting in a microphone. Some dude was like. <laughs> Singing with a ghetto blaster, just cranked, and he was singing, just you know, singing like songs, you know, with a ghetto blaster. Then his cat, there was one where his cat came across and stepped on his little boombox and turned it off. <laughs> his cat, he's like, yeah. hey, and he turned it back on and went back to singing. 
Okay, so so you're you're going through 300. At, at what point do you? Those see... are the ones I remember the most, besides the girls. You know, because a lot of yeah. a lot of females sent in their auditions as well. Yeah, because uh, uh, there's a female singer that almost got the gig, correct? Yes. Wow, but but then but then you see Milos. At what like at what number do you think it was? The only reason why the female didn't get the position mm-hmm. um, was because she couldn't sing in the key that we wrote the songs in. Mm. Her tone was higher. Higher to A and G and etc. Yeah, she, and she just she wasn't baritone enough. Because you know our old singer, our old singer had a more baritone voice, you know. Oh, you know. So you know. Uh, you Actually, know. I've been meeting some singers that can't don't do well with with, with a tuning. Yeah. And as as as, far as guitar player, your brains like can't like come oh, just sing over the fucking riff. Yeah, but I was like, oh wait, I, the, the tone won't actually match up. With well, the- this guy Milo is way more musically talented than I am. I mean, he'll notice notes and keys and stuff like that that I don't even know. You know, what I mean, I I don't even like he. If I hit a wrong note, he'd be like, yo, that's not the right, it's <laughs> not the right note. You got to like that was a shitty like, note. I'm OCD. Like, <laughs> I like I wrote that song like 25 years ago. I forgot. I forgot it. You know, and so it's like there's a couple of notes that I hit sour that I'm still trying to figure out. Just old songs they had written, and then he he knows it. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, I mean you, one, one of the first videos I saw him, he did our uh, a song called Fear Campaign, where he's playing the drums, guitars, bass, singing, and I know he did the keyboards as well. So, wow, yeah, that was every every instrument. There's a video here. on YouTube. Is yeah. it still so there? Uh, I think I made it private, but I can put it back. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, of course I wasn't as good as now as far as vocal goes, you know. But mm-hmm. now you have to. That redo, was twenty fifteen, right? Whole thing. Was that twenty fifteen? Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Yeah, nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that was fun. You know, just to go for in my studio and just you know jamming with the song. It's a trip for you because I mean that was the posting like a cover nine years ago, and now fast forward seven years from that video. It's crazy, you know. This this uh, journey is is full of crazy surreal moments. You know, it, it's I've been, uh, of course, you know, as everybody knows now, uh, I've been a Fear Factory freak for like fifteen years. You know, and uh, I was so, so much of a freak that you know, of course, I started learning guitar, uh, l- learning Fear Factory songs. You know, uh, mostly and a bunch of other favorite bands of mine. So uh, that that's why the tab thing. That Dino was talking about came by, you know, like uh, oh, that riff is on the third fret, not on the second fret, because that uh, that's how much a Fear Factory freak I am, you know. You knew exactly where the positioning is. Yeah, I mean, huh. pretty much. So, and not just by listening to the records, but also being a freak of YouTube live videos of yeah. all my favorite bands, you know. So I was like, oh, that I remember that show, you know, you were hitting the third fret and stuff like that. So, um, and and that's surreal because when you when you become the the not just a member but the frontman of your your number one favorite band, it's just you know it's a constant slap face slapping. You know, it, is this real? You know, so it's it's I don't know. It's, it still feels like a dream. <laughs> you join your favorite band. Yeah, <laughs> and I could go from like because you did this vocal medley of the, the first Fear Factory record. Yeah, which so you posted this on like a a, a Facebook fan page, right? Ah, uh, yeah, it was New Breed. Yeah, new breed uh, Facebook page. So, uh, so was he already on your radar? Yeah. Okay. He was already on my radar because uh, other people have. Oh, well, he posted on New Breed, and so other people have told me. Hmm. And so, yeah, I was going through the rabbit hole of YouTube, 
and never ending. Yeah, exactly. And just looking for different guys who did cover songs as well. Hmm. So I was doing that, you know. Um, but like he was pointing out that there's a song that we're playing. It's called Smash or Devour. Now we, I played it on the fourth fret, whatever it was, the second fret or second fret. <laughs> And he oh, was, he's, he's, he's still correcting me. You see that? <laughs> Sick. I was playing it on the second fret. He's like, no, it's the third fret. I'm like, no, it's the second fret. And so you, he looked up an old YouTube video and he goes, look, you're playing it on the second fret. I'm the, the third, third fret. fret. <laughs> he's like, you're right. Put the video in your face. Pretty much. On his, from his phone, you know, he's like, watch. Yeah. See, third fret. See this? Yeah. Bizarre wow. Festival exactly. 98. <laughs> Germany. <laughs> Yeah, the Bizarre Festival 1980 in Germany, yep. I was watching that festival this morning. Really? Fire, the, dude. The Bizarre Festival? Yeah, yeah. Wow, well, yeah. Where's that festival at? Germany. Germany, right? I'm not sure where in Germany. Yeah, I was like, where, yeah. yeah. Uh, we played it a couple times, actually. That's a yeah. sick ass. It, yeah. That was, that was the one. We were, in, we were in the middle of a um, Slayer tour. Wow. And we, had, we actually couldn't do, we didn't do two shows. We flew straight to Germany to do that festival because it was a big festival at the time. Yeah. And it was it was more alternative bands. Like it wasn't like, you know, Vakken where it's all metal bands. No. It was more different bands, type yeah. type of bands. So we um flew from the Slayer tour straight to that show. No sleep. Played the show. Next day got on a plane and flew back to the Slayer tour and and uh you know continued the tour. Yeah. That's insane. When you leave a Slayer tour to go to... Yeah, we missed a couple of shows. <laughs> wow. There you go. That's it right there. 98? 98. I think it says 98. Does it say 98 on it? Should be 98. Yeah, 98. 98. Boom. So you're probably one of the only heavy bands on this lineup. Uh, Danzig was on it, too. I think that mm. was... We were the two heavy ones. Well, but um, yeah. but uh, also on that Slayer tour, we had to... We were in Canada... And we had a day off, and so on the day off, we actually shot a video for the, the song called Resurrection. Mm. So we had to do that, too. And we and it was great because we went from Slayer right to Rob Zombie tour. That was amazing. Fuck Rob dude. Zombie was, that was on his first record, so he was still living that white zombie. Because they had put a successful record out just before that. Yeah. Um, Rob's uh, white zombie did. Uh, what was it called? Astro Creep 2000? Mm -hmm. Big album for them huge tours so he did his solo record right after that and we were playing in front of pack houses like in you know in front of four or five thousand people that might have been one of his first tours then if it's because the, like the first record just drops it's probably one of it his it was his for one of his first tours yeah and, as a solo artist yeah as a solo yeah it was and, amazing and, even and then, it was it was crazy sorry to cut you off but it, it was crazy because uh you know rob zombie was headlining of course and then in between us was Monster Magnet and then Fear Factory. And at that time, on Obsolete, we were fucking on fire. Band was blowing up, getting very popular. We were neck and neck in merch sales with Rob Zombie. No. So we saw it. So after we would play, the crowd would either go take off or they would sit down for, for Monster Magnet. Sit down? Sit down. That's so. I would rather people leave. That's just, that's so sit, disrespectful. They didn't. They just leave to go get drinks or whatever. Yeah, right? Oh yeah, but. merch. They, but they would sit down. Oh, dude, that would kill me, dude. And these are like general admission places where there's no seats. Fuck. Right or seats further back. So we were like, we were seeing all this stuff. So we is, actually is asked. It? We went to Rob Zombie's production people. Right. Mm -hmm. we, went, we actually spoke to Rob Zombie himself. Said, "Look, dude, 
Monster Mag is getting killed every night. Maybe you should put them first, which is flip-flop. And he goes, I don't know. Talk to my agent, blah, blah, blah. Sure. So we reached out to the agent. They said, hell no. I said, no way. So we just continued to destroy every night, being the first band on the bill. <coughs> but remember, Monster Magnet actually was pretty big at that time because they had a big hit on MTV called... Yeah, what was your hit around there? Or them? No, them. them. Uh, they had... Uh, I know the song. Yeah. Space uh, Lord, Space... Space Lord, Mother, Mother. Oh, that's yeah. the... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That, 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 that was, was their big, big hit. But it was just... A more Space of a, Lord, it was a more Lord. metal crowd. You know what I mean? It's a more metal crowd. They didn't really want huh. to hear that. Well, I love Monster Magnet too, mm-hmm. and we had a great time partying with those guys. But it just you know the audience spoke. The audience it's, spoke. It's funny because yeah. like the audience has like like the ultimately like, like to say it's just weird. I, I wonder what it's like being in a band's position or even an agent where like you can actually see it happening. You can see it. There's no talk, and then still hey, they'll leave them at that spot. Yeah, and, ju- and just and get s- fucking crushed. And so we were like, when we did the Slayer tour, we were nervous that we were gonna get like booed off stage or people were gonna chant Slayer because that's mm-hmm. back in the day when you open up for Slayer, it was hard because mm-hmm. everybody was like, you know, the whole crowd. Well, you're playing like Slayer, Slayer, like you know, we'll just get the fuck off. Yeah. We want to see Slayer. Yeah, that's pretty much how it was. So we were nervous, and we came out, and we were like, whoa. Nobody said nothing. Everybody everybody loved it. Nothing? I was surprised. Not one Slayer chant. Nothing. We were surprised how many people were there for us, and it was great. Yeah, but Fear Factory's heavy, dude. Heavy. Yeah, it was, you know, during the shock, obsolete era. Come on. So, yeah. It was, was that? You know what? I, I actually never asked but you. But still, it. you know, I mean, I've seen other bands open up for Slayer, and they just got killed. Like which ones? I don't want to mention oh. these. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, I'll tell you one. System of a Down, they opened up for Slayer, and that was when they were still wearing their makeup and stuff, and mm-hmm. they got a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, you know, Slayer chants. Was the first record already out yet or no? I'm sorry. What was was the first record already out yet or no? Yes, it was out. Uh, their their System of a Down record, yeah, yeah. self titled, right? Self-titled. Yeah, so the first one, whatever it was called. I guess, yeah, that wouldn't really go well with the Slayer crowd. I guess, you know. Yeah, it's just I, I. It wasn't just them; it was other bands too. It happened to a lot of bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you guys are heavy though. Yeah, we mm-hmm. managed we managed to make it work, and it was a great time touring with those guys. Super cool. Everybody was super sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's but I, but you laid down like, like a foundation. It's kind of weird saying super sweet about Slayer, right? Yeah, <laughs> super sweet <laughs> but guys. But they were just super nice. Sweet. They were just super nice guys, man. Very accommodating. A lot of Jaeger. Um, a lot of Heineken. They drank a lot of Heineken. And uh, Tom Rea smoked a lot of weed, so he was on our bus every day smoking weed. Mm. And you never, you never really been like a big drinker or smoker, huh? No, but other guys in my band were, so. Yeah. You know. So were you, just, were you just hanging and just being, being around enjoying it? Yeah, I'd zip on a Heineken. You know, I'd zip on it. I wouldn't drink it. You know what I mean? That always blows me away about you, man. How did he just chill the whole time? I fucking failed. Dude. I just, I just, I don't know. I just, uh, I guess I had the gift of the gab. I guess. Mm-hmm. Do you <laughs> and think bad that, or good? You know. Do you think that uh, that helped your focus? Not. Yeah, of course. I was, I was very driven, and mm-hmm. I, I was very, um, you know, didn't let the outside things affect me like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you've, you've always been that way. You never let like outside, and you dealt with like your band dealt with a lot. As far, I mean, you're talking lawsuits. I mean, that that that's very little stuff I've been through. It's just it's just it ruins your 
more morale and it's really hard to maintain being driven and you know them still put out great music that that yeah. that you feel and you just still yeah. went on yeah i know a lot of people who would have probably would have quit the music industry uh compared you know if they had to go through what i went through yeah. it was pretty brutal um but you know um like like i told you many many times i'm a lifer this is what i do for my life mm -hmm. this is what i do for my living this is how i live you know every way possible it must and be so this is my love so this is my passion so there's not I, it doesn't I'm not gonna give up on something like that just because that happened to me. I'm not gonna yeah. give up or throw in the towel. Definitely so, not. So that that that's kept you here. That. Of course, just my love for music, my love for creating, my love for putting a smile on a person's face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just all all those years of meeting people around around the world and all the friends. I still enjoy it. Yeah, very much. And think about like the lows you guys had, even up until recently, to now you like. You worked to get the band where it, it is now. Yes, that, that that must be a trip, dude. It's it's a it's a, it was a long road and a long hard struggle, but for sure we're still here. But I don't know what happened to me or the band in general. I don't wish that upon any other band at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I do try to give people advice because of all the legal stuff that I went through. Mm -hmm. um, I do try to give other uh, uh, musicians advice on just like what to do or what what certain things mean mm -hmm. you know when they see lawsuits or things like that yeah advice helps man we're having some kind of a mentor yeah you know yeah it's cool you can't you can't, you can't buy that dude you got you got we, you we were in, it. the band was in a lawsuit the, i told you this on the first episode that we did that the band was in a lawsuit the first record that's fucked up with the producer, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it was the, the record called Concrete. Yeah, you know, it was with Ross Robinson. Unfortunately, he was. Yeah. You know, he's a friend. A, a friend now. Right? A friend now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But yeah, that happened to us. That, that was like, welcome to the music industry. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. When was the first time? Just out of curiosity, and then and then and then we'll we'll move forward. When was the first time you read a contract? Nineteen ninety. Oof, good question. 1989. Also, you were you were already pretty okay. You're not like exactly just letting everything just people making choices. You well, were if already... you remember, I had another band called Brujeria. Yes. And so we were doing little contracts here and there with uh, mm. little um, record companies, putting out seven inches and yeah, you know stuff like that. Oh. Yeah. All right, cool. I read my first contract about two years ago. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm very serious. Yeah. Wow. Not I didn't read any of the label stuff or the central media manager contracts. Nothing until it was not when we were dealing with termination contracts. Oh wait, what? What? What did that first one say? Oh, there's a fucking sunset clause. Oh, sh what's what's a sunset clause? Oh wait, I'm fucked for <laughs> this many years. Yep. Thir Thirty-five. I'm, I'm thirty-seven now, and you were you were already early you early twenties. Yeah, you can you can see me right there on the sarape on the right. Yeah, that's it right there. You just right there. <laughs> that looks like a that looks scary, dude. And uh, all the way on the top, that's Billy Gould with a hat on, on the top, not to the to the left, to the left with the white. Yeah, right there. It's isn't Billy it, Gould from Faith No More. Isn't it what you call a poncho? That yeah, that thing poncho. Sarape, sarape. Yeah, you can call it poncho, whatever. Oh, so so they're the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I, I, well, I never knew that. Yeah, 
I never, I never learned Spanish. It's kind of, it's kind of embarrassing. That's right. You're Mexican. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My parents never taught me, man. But I will. I will. Love your parents. Thank you. Well, nice now, people. Well, now there, there's apps now. I'm trying to get one a language learning app. My parents never taught me. There you go. But um, yeah. So uh, it's 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 been a very, very learning experience for me. You know, just having to. You know, I've always been curious. So when, mm-hmm. you know, the, when the contracts came and where certain things came to sign certain deals, um, you know, I was all about it. I wanted to read it. I wanted to learn it as much as I could. Hmm. Yeah, that's some that's some advice I wish I got back in the day. Man, I was lucky that I met a lot of people in the music industry before I had a band. Before I had a real band. Who'd you meet? Um, I met a, a girl named Laura Porter. Okay, I met. Diana Cass, uh, Melissa Dragic, all these people worked for different major co- major record companies, mm. and they I was really good friends with them, and they gave me a lot of advice. It seems, yeah. it, seems it worked. Yeah, thank God, definitely. Man. And uh, Laura Porter was a girl who was helping us out in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, rest in peace. She passed away a few years ago. Um, she really guided us on, you know, what to look what to look out for and. She was the one who advised us on this Ross Robinson contract. She's mm. like, you know, we need to take it to a real lawyer. And so that's what we did. And the lawyer's like, you're gonna, you're, you're not gonna own anything if you sign this contract. Mm. So we didn't sign it. Just from that, and just be, being curious, and that made me even more curious. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I getting myself into? You know, am I giving everything away? You know, what do I got to do? So I started. Asking the lawyer a lot of questions, like, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does that mean? And you just learn along the way. And, of course, hmm. contracts have changed a lot in the years. Yeah. A still, lot. And still changing. Yes, still changing. And they're, they're definitely still behind. Yeah. You know? Yep. Nowadays, um, record companies take your money from your YouTube, uh, uh, from different uh, streams. Streams, yep. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 I understand the uh, streams, but I don't know about like, if I will let the uh, let let them touch the YouTube. Well, technically they do when they own the songs. <clears throat> so technically they do, because if, if you try to post like a like a playthrough or anything like that, well, you can do a Taylor Swift thing. You can go back and uh, re-record your own songs, mm. and then put it out. That's what she did. It's kind of too much, though, right? It's, I, it's, I, it's I guess. Lot. I guess it's a lot, dude. I mean, when you got that kind of money, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're, you already have that kind of money, and you're going to. Redo your songs, come on. Well, she did it so she could own her songs. Yeah. She can own the recording. So technically, the record company only owns your mastering. The yes. masters. The recorded songs. Mm-hmm. Those recorded songs. Yes. That's what they own. But if you go re-record it and don't use anything from those master tapes, mm-hmm. go re-record it, you can you can collect the money off that. Hmm. But how does that apply to live songs? Because uh, I'll, I'll try to post something us playing live i was doing some some uh, experiments where okay so you get the song okay uh, fucking you're gonna post you know shock live with you know pete and 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 milo and then but you post it and it loads on youtube but then when you when it comes to the point where it's just gonna be monetized it says no that because somebody might have somebody might somebody else might be monetizing your youtube are you talking about the Suicide Silence YouTube? Or are you talking about your personal YouTube? Suicide Silence. So, um, I mean, somebody else might ha- might 
this demonetizing is, it. This, this is where it gets so weird. So you might want to check it out. I filmed it, though. I, I've been doing some weird experience, uh, experiments. So I, I'll film it with like a GoPro, Ernie playing live. Have you gone and, into your YouTube and checked out how it's monetized? Yes. And, and it won't it won't it won't let me. Somebody else has got it. But those are, but those aren't the masters though. It doesn't matter. If somebody else is controlling your YouTube, they're the ones who's gonna get it or block it or however. They, hmm. whatever they want to do. I wonder if there's something there that, that we don't know. It's fucked up. So nobody in your band knows. We're uh we've been what about kind Ernie? of trying. Ernie doesn't know. <laughs> no, oh no, none of us know shit, dude. We, we we read our first contract fucking last month, dude. We're not. We don't know what's going on, dude. But I mean, do you know? It's really shown that that you, without knowing, like you really laid down like the foundation to where we we're at now. With like your band is just there. You guys are on fire again. I'm a veterano, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Means veteran. I'm a veteran. Yeah, bro. Yes, vet. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, a long time ago, Dave Mustaine gave me a lot of advice too. Way back when I was 18 years old, when I, when I met him at a place that I worked at, and uh, at the sandwich know, shop. It's a sandwich shop, exactly. So yeah. he's given me a lot of advice. You well, know? What was the best piece of advice that that Dave gave you? Network, and always, always uh, try to be in control of your stuff. Mm. But he said network. That was the first thing. Network. Network. So that's what I did. I went out and networked, went to concerts, started meeting musicians, meeting people who work at record companies, mm. just started hosting parties at my apartment, so inviting these people, and eventually the people started coming. And it was great. Mm. Just hanging out, knowing all the all the drug dealers around. You that, know? That's important. Exactly. For the people who like to do drugs. Yes, exactly. I'm not, <laughs> that's smart. I'm not dude. into that, but. That is crazy. I helped facilitate that in some ways, right? And I just gave everybody a place to hang out and party and have a good time. Bands, anyone that might be a part of the. Music industry, exactly. There mm. was actually, it got to the point where, like, uh, there would be a band that would be coming into town. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a couple of guys from bands mm-hmm. would come into town because they had to do maybe publicity, mm-hmm. you know, a publicity tour, you know. They had to come into L.A. for interviews and stuff like that. So the record company people were always like, well, what do we do? We got these two guys from we got these two guys from, from Paradise Lost. What do we or we got these couple of guys from Carcass. Mm-hmm. What do we do? Like, uh, how do we entertain them? Bring them to my house. Mm. So I was meeting the guys from Carcass, Paradise Lost, Napalm Death. I mean, numerous of bands. Early 90s. Early 90s. Fuck. And late 80s, early 90s. Mm. Devin Townsend, when he was in Steve Vai's band, just all kinds of people coming over my apartment. Shannon Hoon from Blind Melon, everybody from Slayer, you know, uh, Sepultura, Napalm Death, everybody was at my apartment at one point. What the fuck? Yeah. That is crazy. Just partying, having a good time. And I would be the DJ. You're, what would you play? Just everything. everything, everything from what was popular at the time. It, even if it was like, I mean, it, everything from like early, like stuff that was coming out of the Manchester scene. Mm-hmm. I didn't play metal because you had metal guys that they don't always want to hear metal. They just want to hear something different. Yeah. So I would play different stuff. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah. That was it. That you know that is so smart, dude. Just have people come come by. And you you have like this endless knowledge and inspiration around you. Yeah, and you know? so you know that's what Dave was saying. It's a network, and so that's what I was like. Okay, network. That's, mm. that's what. That, that's okay, what that's, that's how I did it. Well, you're also a doer. 
So when Fear Factory did our first demo, I was I was shopping it around already. Hmm. I was going to meet. I already knew everybody. I didn't know the owners of the label, but I knew the people who worked there. So I connected with them to introduce me to the owners and then play them our tape. Mm. And we got turned down by everybody. You got turned down? Yeah. Everybody? Pretty much. Well, even I, even Roadrunner turned us down in the beginning. Damn. Yeah. And then uh, that's yeah, crazy. Those are demo. The two demos right there, early demos. <clears throat> and that, so that's that's the cover. So yeah, they turned us down, and it wasn't until the Ross Robinson demo that we did album um, that we got a lot of attention because you know I played it for Max from Sepultura. Mm-hmm. He heard it. He told Monty, and Monty's like, "Yeah, I already turned that band down. No, you got no. You have to hear new demos. Good, new <laughs> yes. demos, great. You have to hear it." <laughs> and so Monty's like, "Okay." And so Monty called me up. He's like, "Max is telling me about this demo. What's going on? You know, it's a great impression." I'm like, "Well, here you go." <laughs> and so like, and that was how we got signed, pretty much. Did you get discouraged when uh, I was like, "Man, everyone just said no to me. What the fuck am I going to do now?" You know, no, I didn't get discouraged at all. I was like, okay, we need to get better. We need to go back and make better demos, better, better songs, better recordings, blah blah blah. You know. Mm-hmm. How much of uh, how much did Ross, how much did Ross Robinson help you kind of shape the sound? I would say zero. Really, it's just like he basically just helped get it onto sounding good. Yeah, in, yeah. In a, in a, especially when with what you guys were doing I mean, at the time, he tracked us and he. He he, uh, he did create a vibe for our singer a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and I think he was still learning as well. He was still mm-hmm. learning as it was going compared to what he did a few years later when he did the corn stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was still it was still a learning process from we were probably maybe the second band he's might have recorded second, second or third band maybe at that time. That's pretty crazy, dude. Yeah, there might be something I'm missing. I mean, he did one of my demos of another band back in 87. No. Yeah. Then he did, um, obviously, his Detente record, Detente. Oh, Detente, yeah. Yeah. And then he might have did something else, and then he did us. How long have you known Ross? Uh, since I was like 18 or 19, something like that. I didn't know that it went into I mean, we were, the we, 80s. We were young. We were young. We were young. Kids. We were, we were roommates for a while. Yeah. I knew the whole family. We'd go to his house. He lived in Barstow, California. I'd go to his house. We'd go swimming in his pool. And you go to Del Taco. Out. We'd go out into the desert and ride Land Rovers and motorcycles and ATVs and stuff, all kinds of stuff, yeah. You're, you're part of that history. Go to the Colorado River. Yeah, we do all that stuff. So you guys are really good friends. You're, I mean, you guys yes. are like close friends, man. Yeah, from way back, yeah. Hmm. And it's also kind of crazy what ended up happening with uh, what he did with with your. Uh, well, it's just business. He was just learning the ropes, learning mm-hmm. the business. You know, he was. We were all learning. We mm-hmm. were just. We were still in our very early early twenties. Raymond Raymond, our drummer, was probably eighteen, maybe seventeen, eighteen. Why are drummers always like the youngest? <laughs> Not Pete. Pete. <laughs> Milo's the youngest in this situation. Yep. Thirty six. Thirty six, right? 23 factory at 35? Uh, I think so. Yeah. It, yes. I mean, it was, you just it was had a quick. birthday. When's your birthday? Uh, 20th of August. Happy birthday. Thank you. That's <laughs> sick. What'd you guys do? Were you were you here? No, and no, I was still in Rome. Oh, wow. With my family and friends, yeah. Hmm. Are you still living out there, or what's... Technically, yeah. I mean, 
I, I still I, I want to to keep living there because I have my parents, I have my friends, my my pets. So I but. You know, it, it feels good. This new, I'm really digging this new li lifestyle where I get to spend like three, you know, three, two, three months home in Rome and, and three, four more months in, you know, here with the band and touring. It feels good because you get to change a lot. And I like change, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's really good, you know. It's, it's like working abroad for, for three, four months and then get back home and, and, Uh, ground yourself a little bit you know mm -hmm. it's it's good I, i'm liking this new lifestyle a lot so <laughs> what a life and you're and you're going back and forth to like arguably like some of the most most beautiful places on the planet rome italy uh, we, <laughs> well, we, we 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 only hear stories we have I, i have no idea what it's like to grow up there and like and like the like the buildings like you have like vatican city like you, you at the coliseum like what like, what was it like being around all all that stuff Well, I mean, I may sound biased, but, you know, I think it's one of the most beautiful places on the world, for sure. I mean, we get used to that. So I don't mm -hmm. live very close to the Colosseum and the uh, historic area, but it's like 20 minutes driving, 30 maybe. I live That's more close. on the coast mm -hmm. because Rome is on the sea, basically. So I live in the coast area. But, you know, even when I go to Rome, I, I, you know, a lot of times I, I need to go to Rome. And my, when I started conservatory, music conservatory, that was in the historic center. So mm -hmm. we Romans are pretty, pretty used to that. You know, oh, yeah, that's the Coliseum, you know. But when I actually uh, take people, like I, I had the next girlfriend from Brazil, and uh, she, she flew to Rome and, and saw Rome for the first time. And she saw the Coliseum for the first time. And I, looking at her face, I realized how how big that is, how, how stunning that is. And I was like, wow, we're really, really lucky, you know, because uh, we, we have a lot of, uh, like, that stuff is more than 2,000 years old, you know, and still there. It, mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy, you know. A lot of history. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to sound biased, but best food in the world, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, I, I think we're, and I'm, and I'm realizing how lucky I am to be born in, in Italy just right now that I get to spend a lot of times abroad. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love America. I love everything about America. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I think it's pretty much the same for each one of us. You know, we get to spend a lot of time abroad, you know, then we realize how lucky we are because uh, I'm sure every country has got his beauty, you know, in every aspect. So, uh, mm -hmm. because we Italians tend to complain a lot about, oh, this is a shitty country, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, Italians are fucking, you know, Americans are fucking cool, you know. Yeah. The Germans are fucking cool, but Italians are, but, you know, then when, uh, I've never been like super uh, proud of being Italian, but now I'm starting to be somewhat, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, I mean, yeah, proud of being Roman and being Italian because, That you know, when you're abroad, it's cool. You know, you are you are the the black sheep, you know. So uh, in, in in a way, so it's it, it's kind of uh, even like cooking pasta for the guys in general. It <laughs> makes you feel oh, it pasta. makes you feel yeah. like oh, you know, I, I can do something. Like in Italy, it's, it's everyone can do that. You know, bad or good, but you know, everyone can do that. So it's not it's not a big deal. But here's like you know, you feel like you're. You're, uh, you know, important somehow. You know, you can do something good. So, mm -hmm. you know. yeah, we also have a let's buy it like a few blocks from my house. We have an Italian market. Mm -hmm. So he's there all the time buying coffee. Pinocchio. And, <laughs> yeah, it's called Pinocchio's, and he's he's buying coffee and well, I don't know what pasta and, yeah. and sauce and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, ingredients to make yeah all to make us pasta. Yeah, and I make these guys tacos. 
sick. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. makes the pasta. I make the tacos. We're still waiting for Pete. Pete makes the drinks. Actually, that's true. <laughs> he makes the drinks. What do you make? Well, on the last tour, I was making jalapeno margaritas. Oh fuck! Yeah, mm. I was bartending during mm. the. That sounds great. Yeah, I was bartending during the pandemic for a couple years, so got a little shaker skills going on. So. Hook the guys up. Jalapeno <laughs> margaritas. Yeah, so he was he made some margaritas one time. I think it was the first time he made margaritas. Was it Nebraska? Lincoln, yeah. Yeah, we had a day off. And so there was another band called Twisted that was parked in front of us. Nice. Right? And, was, and those guys, and they're, they're, cra- they're just crazy. They're fun. Great guys to hang out with, fun. But he made margaritas, and everybody got fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and so everybody was, was on top of the bandwagon. <laughs> Dancing. We were on top. And there was a guy, he was probably like 6'5", pushing a good, at least 400 pounds. He was on top, and he couldn't get down. Oh, no. <laughs> he fell off the hood. Like, yeah, he hood. basically slid down from the, front, from the front. Luckily, he didn't put any dents or break the windshield. Yeah. But he, he slid down from the front, boom, and fell in this big old puddle of, it could have been pee because we were dumping toilet water right there, you know? So it could have been pee and... He was just all wet, and it was fucking <laughs> just a hilarious moment because everybody's wasted hmm. on his margaritas. <laughs> Were they doubles, or what's going on? Uh, I have a heavy hand, so probably. A shot. shot in He's quarter, a hot shot. hitter with a heavy hand. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I put my drinks where I play my drums, dude. Yeah, block. exactly. <laughs> yeah, how's it been for you, Pete, joining the band? It's been awesome. Yeah, uh... So yeah, like I said, I've done about 60 shows or so, and uh, feeling good and more comfortable as time goes on playing the songs and stuff so uh you look you look comfortable yeah yeah cool. and like i said too i knew a good 10 15 songs before we even came out so um i even saw fear factory in 98 on the obsolete tour back mm-hmm. in massachusetts my dad dropped me off uh, me and my buddy so i've been f- familiar with the band for you know a long time and uh like I said, just cool to get the opportunity. And um, how old were you when you seen us? I was about first. thirteen or fourteen. <laughs> how do you feel, man? <laughs> wait, wait, which album? Wait, which album? It was obsolete toy. Holy shit! That was yeah. It was ninety-eight. So twenty-five years ago. Thirteen, turning fourteen. Twenty-five years ago, nineteen ninety-eight. Yeah. That's right, twenty-five. It's it's ast- astonishing that. So that you were thirteen, fourteen. Yep. And it was cool because the last Static tour that was like kind of the same lineup of that tour that I saw. 25 years yeah, ago. Yeah, because it was Fear Factory, Static X, System of a Down? Yeah. No, uh, no, no, no. Well, no. That's a different tour. A, a different um, one. Head PE. Yeah, okay. This, oh, yeah, there we go. Spine yeah, Chang. This, this is the tour. But, yeah, I'm, that, surprised, that, I'm surprised Jared didn't mention this tour. Yeah. Because this was a really great tour. Jared, if you don't remember, now I'm going to remind you. It was a sick tour. It was. I took all my friends' bands on tour. So it was Fear Factory, Headlining, System of a Down, Head PE, Static X, Spine Shank. That's a lineup. Sold every show, sold out. Every show. Dude, every band's a fucking headliner, dude. And it was amazing. Oh, it was amazing. Wow. The first week was a little, the first few days was a little tense because everybody didn't, so many bands, and just trying to organize every band was a little hard. We had to have a little powwow meeting, right? To saying, hey, this is how it's going to run, this is how it's going to yeah. work, blah, blah, blah. Because there was so many bands. And everybody's, everybody was setting up their drum sets on the floor playing. And 
You know, the crew is trying to work and get get the sound check, and everybody's like, BC from Head PE was playing drums and oh, stuff. Oh, wow. And my brother goes, because my brother was doing uh, drum teching for us. My brother was like, yo, 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 calm down. This ain't Guitar Center. And and him and BC were like the yeah. first. This is like the first few days. They were like ready to throw down. And we're like, oh, we're like, yeah. Everybody's like breaking it up. And it was like, and then next thing they became best friends. Mm. You know, it always happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was great. A little bit of tension, but after you know. But the tour fucking went was smooth and it was fucking amazing. After that, it was perfect. Dude, I would die after that tour from all the all the partying. I believe <laughs> I believe that was Head PE's first record, mm. or maybe the second. This is nineteen ninety nine. So they're on their still on their first record, yeah, right? Yeah, still, still the first. Yeah, systems on their first record still. It sounds like it took System a while to kind of get off their feet. Yeah, uh, Static X was on their first record. Their first record might not even come out yet. Just yeah. about to drop. Spinecheck was on their first or second record or first record. Yeah, I'm surprised you got you were even able to get that lineup like a thing. You know. Just asked everybody, made it work. Hmm. Everybody was from California. Everyone was from California, but but yeah, but you know, you know how how it is. Like, just trying to book a package, it's, it seems like impossible. You guys have been doing great with packages. Thank Suicides, you. You guys are always linked up with the right bands. Thank you. Which has actually, I think, helped you in the last couple of years. It actually helped you. Uh, it has to to sustain where you're at, which mm-hmm. is really good. Which is what I've been doing, which is what I'm doing now is as the band's going through our rebuilding process, uh, I'm starting to link up, you know, with Static X, Lacuna Coil. Yeah. uh, And I can't, I almost said the next band, but I can't say it yet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sick. Yeah, I can't say it yet. I was like, oh, yeah, come on. on, (laughs) (laughs) Give it to me. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But yeah, it's great. And what was kind of odd about fear factory which i think you actually mentioned it like l- last month like you're not you weren't really a part of like a subgenre no so that's and, and you kind of mentioned maybe it might might have hurt you or maybe you don't like so so we so we're so we re- rebuilding well, these like, so we're in like a, a rebuilding phase who do you tour with yeah we were in a we were in a a, a kind of an awkward position in a way mm-hmm. because you know we didn't know if we fit with extreme bands or a new metal bands or whatever right we were just kind of like had our own lane kind of going for a minute. Yeah. Right? Um, like when our first record came out, Soul of a New Machine, you know, we were put in the death metal bin. At the record stores, you know, a lot of people a lot of people listening to this podcast don't even, probably don't even know what a record store is or a CD is. You know what I mean? Sad. There used to be places where you could <laughs> go to the store and buy vinyl, cassettes, and CDs. And we were, and everybody, everything was listed as categories. So yeah, in the, the category. Yeah, dude. so we were listed under death metal on the first record. So that's where we were at. But we thought we were, in our minds, we were a little bit outside of the box, of the death metal box. We were trying to carve our own niche. Um, and then by the second record, we just completely had our own sound. We actually were kind of being uh, taken out of the death metal category and put into like the like alternative, I'm sorry, more the metal category. Mm. Not necessarily in the death metal category, mode, so we kind of grew out. They they kind of places outside of that. Mm. This is the record label doing this, not us. Yeah. The record company's doing this. Mm-hmm. Then by the third record, we were in the alternative rock. By obsolete, we were in the alternative rock category. We were considered alternative metal. 
alternative metal. Yes. It's way too heavy. Yeah, and it was like, well, you know, you kind of look at it. We had songs like Descent, Resurrection. Yeah. That didn't sound like they were fucking, you know, metal. Like, it came from Solvening Machine. Mm -hmm. We grew into another. We, we've always tried to adapt to what was going on. We try to answer to what was going on in our own way. Mm -hmm. um, we just try to um, be as artistic as possible, you know, and, and try to stand out. Mm-hmm. And I think that because of that, we weren't necessarily just looped into one category. And some people didn't know where to put us or how to look at us. You know what I mean? Um, but of course, you know, in 98, when Obsolete came out, we took all those bands, all those so-called new metal bands. But it, made, but it still made sense. Totally made sense. Hmm. It all worked really well. It worked perfect. That tour was just one of my favorites. Hmm. One of my favorites, besides touring with Metallica, of course. <laughs> my goodness, you know, but uh, that was the one of my favorite tours that we've ever put package that we put together. Hmm. It's cool because it works now as well. Because because now well, now you go outside well, the gates and kill it. That means System would have to headline now. Oh yeah, and then we'd be under that, and then Head P, and then actually no, Static X would be pretty high up there too, because their first record sold a million copies. So. They they sold a lot of records. Damn, when you have a when you have a platinum record or even or a gold record, I can't imagine. Like we we just missed that era, dude, of like just selling what's all yeah, just sold. Well, you guys kind of combined a little bit of that era. I mean, you guys were definitely some of your riffs were very much influenced by the new metal riffs, but you guys just made it heavy as fuck. Of course, yeah. You stole stuff from uh, Cannibal Corpse, stole stuff from Corn, stole stuff from from uh, from you, and kind of put it all into one thing. Yeah. You know? Happy eating his spine shanks, you know, just kind of all put it in one. It's been heavy as fuck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now this, now we have a term for it, you know? What do you call it? What do you call it? I guess it's called deathcore, right? But but at the time, you know, that, that word didn't exist. So I was curious, like, what, uh, because people didn't per, put a term or a word to Fear Factory, but they kind of expressed that in a different way. It was, okay, where are we going to put this fucking CD? I think in I the think category. I think deathcore kind of came from obviously death metal and core being hardcore mm -hmm. because you guys put because bands like you guys put breakdowns a lot of hardcore like you know Orange County Throwdown hardcore you know yeah but before that early early breakdowns that I heard the first even before Dying Fetus or all those other bands was Suffocation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you got you got to go back and listen to some early suffocation. Bro. I know, man. That was like pre pre dying fetus and all that stuff, and because dying fetus is that's got great breakdowns. We did mm -hmm. Frank's last tour with suffocation in Europe with Havoc for years. Did ago. you? Yeah. Damn, how how was that? It was awesome. Yeah, he's a super nice guy. Great front man. He's just funny as shit and just that's says a, it like that's it his is. death chop. Yeah. <laughs> Frank's a funny guy, man. Yes, he's, he brings it on stage. It's great. When he did, yeah, when he starts talking shit on stage, I love it. Fucking kill somebody in that fucking <laughs> East Coast <laughs> accent. God, yes, it's fucking badass. <clears throat> Terrence is awesome too. And so yeah. you guys, you guys were just like all breakdown in, in the beginning, like blast yeah. beat, just go into the breakdowns. <laughs> yeah, I guess we we had an accident, like having those two extreme. Dynamics go 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 from a blast beat so to out of nowhere this over the top breakdown. Yeah, and it's, it's kept doing it again and again. There was Crazy. a band. There was a band that called themselves Ghetto Grind. They Ghetto were called. Grind? They were called Enemy. 
That's a great band name. So they would mix death metal, rapping, and breakdowns. Wow. What year was this? Uh, not that they still exist. Enemy. N M E. Yeah. Wait, M M E. N is in Nancy. M is in metal. Oh, oh. And E is in. Oh yeah. Ernie. This is a band I never jammed. Ever, but I see. They, they call themselves Ghetto Grind because sometimes they they throw a little bit of rapping in between. <laughs> Dude, they, they open uh-huh. up a show for us. Check this out. They open up a show for us, and in front of the kick drum, they put. You know, back in the day when you had rims, and in the middle of the rims, it would spin. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> On the kick drum. So they had a twenty-two inch rim that was in front of the kick drum, and it would spin. <laughs> Two of them. That is sick. Ghetto Grind. Ghetto Grind. Amazing. It was sick. You need you need some rims, dude. I, I really do. <laughs> dude, and then yeah, and, FFs that spin around. Yeah, we FF. sick as fuck. The faster you play double bass, the faster oh the rims spin. Oh my spins. goodness, <laughs> that will be sick as and fuck, right dude. So this is it. Yep. When they come out, oh, years ago they used to be called. They, there was they have another band called Lepra, which is like I think it's called like le- leprosy. Huh. 84. Like, Formed in 84. 84? Yeah, so I wasn't born yet. Yeah. I was just born. Anymore. Yeah, 83. Long, they've been around for a long time. They've Whenever Ossacino plays, they've opened. They're banned from the whiskey. They can't play the whiskey. They're banned wow. there. <laughs> what happened? Too many fights. Too many fights. Brutal. You probably, you got, they throw it down hardcore, and their fans throw it down hardcore. Yeah, you're probably drawing so many different types of people, and you put them Ghetto all Ghetto grind, bro. One. Ghetto grind. That's what they call it. Surprised that no one else has coined that term. It's a pretty sick term. It is cool. It's a great term. All right, so we so we established that we need rims on, on both <laughs> kick drums. Mm-hmm. We'll go one, one F and then the other, other F. There you go. Oh, oh, my goodness, dude. Just attach it to the trigger unit. <laughs> you know, how, how are we doing on time? We're in a, we're a hour 16 in. That quick already? Yeah, it's gone. Oh my god! <laughs> we, I feel like we haven't even talked about anything. <laughs> that, that 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 flew by, dude. We have. I mean, okay. We have some time though. Yeah, you good? Yeah. So check this out. So Pete is originally from Boston. Yeah. But he moved to Denver to be playing a band called Havoc. So now I'm trying to get him to move to LA. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I need to be rich first. Mm. <laughs> L.A. is it is expensive. Very well, expensive. Well, yeah. I actually just moved back in with my aunt uh, to save money because because I'm going to be up doing both bands. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be on the road so much. I was like, this is my year or two to save, you know, as much as I can. Yeah, and then I can figure out what I want to do from there. But yeah, have you, have you thought about maybe not obviously maybe not going in L.A. but maybe like the outskirts or maybe somewhere along the valley. Or something? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it too much um but yeah i wouldn't want to be like in la proper there's no way i can't i hate the traffic so mm-hmm. <laughs> see he's from the states so we can kind of live anywhere but milo is obviously from italy he doesn't want to leave that so i get it you know he wants yeah, to go back tough. home one one of the toughest things ever for an italian to move abroad is food <laughs> because food. we're so used to that not yeah. just the recipes which you can make it here as well with ingredients and stuff yeah uh, but you know the the overall food quality because the food quality, you're right. Yeah, because like the ingredients quality, you know, because we're so used to like fresh things, you know, that unfortunately every time I come back to America, I have my my body has to 
readapt to it, mm. <laughs> which at, at first it's, it's a little bit, you know, not not nice, but uh, you know, so uh, th- that that's the main one of the main reasons. But you know, there are pr- plenty of them actually. You know, uh, of course, I'm I'm getting you know I'm getting old, and my parents are getting old as well. So I I you know as I grew up, I want to spend as time as possible with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also uh, you know friends and and you know I, I think we Italians are not all of us but a lot of us are pretty much attached to our roots and our you know mm-hmm. motherland. So uh, as as much as I love being in LA in America you know touring, but it's it's cool to to go back. So uh, yeah, I mean it, and uh, and it's all like Pete men- mentioned, California is really expensive. So. Uh, uh, and, and America in general is even more expensive than Italy. So, uh, you mm. know, when I when I first heard, and I wanted to, to get an American SIM, for instance, you know, American SIM card. Uh, but when I heard like, it was like 50 to 70 bucks a month, I was like, what? I could get a phone oh, plan yeah. for like eight bucks in, Wait, in Italy. <laughs> he only pays $400 rent for one bedroom apartment. And well, we, yeah. you know, it's that's like, the average for us. Know. It's like two thousand dollars. Yeah, we'll pay four hundred bucks a day. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> he's also really lucky because this guy eats more than me and Pete put together, and he just like <laughs> does not gain weight. He can eat bread, pasta, fucking tortillas, Sweet. whatever, <laughs> and this guy does not gain weight. What's the secret? Uh, genetics. <laughs> I think genetics. He's, I think his body's used to the pasta out there and the bread. You know, bread. Yeah, yeah. Carbs. A lot of carbs. Car- they eat yeah. carbs like crazy. I eat, I look at a piece of bread and I get fat. I, it's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fucked up. But dude. also the fact is that uh, I was just watching a reel, an Instagram reel, like yesterday. It was this girl, an American girl, was like, "Yo, Italians, you have to explain what's the secret because I I ate a whole pizza because in in Italy, uh, a pizza, uh, like uh, you would eat." one person is like this big you know when mm-hmm. when we had a pizza i got a, a what what i would get in italy and you know was like that's a four per, four people pizza i was like no that's the oh. average size you know yeah we we <laughs> were ordering like small and medium pizzas like personal pizzas oh yeah you're the large i'm like dude that's do you know large is like you know it's like Four people could share that shit. Yeah. He goes, yeah, yeah, whatever. I eat, I eat it. I eat it. I'm like, okay. So he <laughs> literally he ate, ate the whole thing. <laughs> he ate like, the whole pizza? A large pizza. But the thing is, you know, like this girl was was uh, uh, just wandering on this Instagram reel. It was like, why why did I, why could I eat the whole pizza and, and, and not feeling bloated or, you know, uh, heavy? And the reason is that. We our carbs are healthier because it's all like fresh, you know, and, and stuff like that. So of course we're used to eat a lot of carbs, but they are, you know, uh, less processed. I think. Mm. So uh, of course here you feel a little bit more, but it's, I, I can still do that. I mean, I can maybe I'm not gonna eat the whole pizza. Maybe I'm gonna left one slice, but you know, that, that's <laughs> yeah, not that. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat one slice. It's fine. <laughs> it's gonna be leftover. You'll, you'll, eat, you'll eat the leftover slice. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> leftover slice, but. Yeah, I mean that. Like, like we go, to, we go to restaurants. He's ordering like three or four <laughs> entrees, like big plates. I'm like, dude, you realize they're big? Oh yeah, I eat it. I eat it. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Seven, it was like eighty dollars at the sushi. Yeah, restaurant. he like had eighty dollars worth of food. We're like, you know, me and him like twenty five bucks. He had an eighty dollar bill. <laughs> so this is another thing. First time we've been to the sushi. So in at least in Rome, but I think pretty much uh, in in Italy and Europe as well, we have all you can eat sushis. They're really popular. Like like ninety percent of sushi restaurants are all, are all you can eat basically. So you pay like 
20, 25 bucks per person and you eat whatever you want till you fucking explode, you know? And uh, so when Dino was like, let's get some sushi, I was like, fuck yeah, I love sushi. And I, I thought it was all you can eat. But then, you know, the check was like fucking 70, 80 bucks. And as I was like, don't you guys have all you can eat? It was like, no, come on, we're in LA. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, wow. they, don't, they don't give you all, all you can eat sushi out here. They don't. Yeah, you had you had to get the fuck out of LA to get yeah. even have, maybe even get that option. Yeah, but he was calling it something else. He was like, uh, "Never ending sushi." Like uh, never ending sushi. What, what'd you call it? What'd you call it? Um, never ending sushi. Yeah, no, I go. It's called all you can eat here or a buffet. Um, it was. Uh, um, uh, what was that word? It was like it was just a way he described it. I'm like, what's that? You mean all you can eat? Yeah, it's another word. It doesn't never come to my mind right now, but. Yeah, it, it it was something like um, endless sushi or non- bottomless sushi or nonstop something. Yeah, like, something like that. Nonstop non- sushi. Non- non-stop sushi. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Sick, dude. We got to get some nonstop tacos. And this oh, guy yeah. <laughs> eats like sweets like crazy. Like, like I bought a thing of gum, right? It's like a it's like a little uh, the ice cubes. The ice cubes are little cubes of gum. Yeah, and I've had it there for like a year. Just take one once in a while, right? It's one of the first days. I ate them all. I'm like, where, where, where did my gum go? <laughs> and he would, he, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll replace it. And then he replaces it, and then he eats that one. Oh, wow. That's sick. <laughs> what will drummers burn? He's got a sweet tooth. Yeah, he's just constantly burning. Yeah. Yep. It's like, well, how do you think I do these double kicks, you know, you fuck? <laughs> I need gummy bears. <laughs> yeah. Gummy bears, too? Oh, yeah, love them. What, what's your favorite candy? Probably those Haribos or the Lifesaver the- gummies. Her- Haribos? Yeah, like those Dead German company that does the gummy bears. Oh, okay. Yeah. So oh. What is that? That looks like a little, is it a little bear? Or little bears. Just... Yeah, those are probably my favorite. I'm always, I see these, I'm like, who who eats these? Drummers do, right? I sure do, for sure. <laughs> oh, no, no. We had, we had one of his buddies bring a whole thing of, a whole basket, and it was just all sweets. Yeah, <laughs> so on my Twitch show, I would like, you know, just snack on stuff. And it normally would be the same stuff like beef jerky or these food snacks or yeah. things like that. And one of my Twitch moderators, who's Twitch moderators, basically someone who kind of helps me control the channel and the chat and stuff. But they brought me an entire bowl full so full of yeah. just snacks and all sorts of stuff. And yeah, it was a lot. So, okay, so a, how, but, it, but it was awesome. How big can my triceps get? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You got to be careful with those, though. You eat too many of those, it's not nice on your stomach. No, fuck that, dude. Yeah, make you feel like shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love candy too, but you got it. You got to stop at some point. Yes. Yeah. I like. I, so yeah, so, so they both live with me while they're here. Mm-hmm. So that's why I know all these little things like that because <laughs> you know he's constantly eating. I'm surprised you don't got none right now in his pocket. I know you're right. <laughs> yeah, we yeah we took out all the snacks. Well, what we had what we had those muffins. Um, muffins out there. Okay. This guy's all about the muffins and the croissants. I love and- muffins. Well, we we have a. Well, oh yeah, we have we have a, your your writer out there. So <laughs> wow, because you know I'm, <laughs> I'm in the morning making chorizo or whatever, and he's like, oh no, I want the I want the croissant, the muffin, whatever, you know. <laughs> I need yeah. something sweet with a coffee. Yeah. In Italy, we, the the typical Italian breakfast is sweet. It's cappuccino with a croissant, which we call cornetto. It's basically like a croissant, and uh, or, or or either croissant or biscuits with a lot of biscuits, uh, in, in our cappuccino or espresso, or whatever. So, and then Pete's more like just eating eating cereal out of out with his hand, like. Oh my god! <laughs> I miss eating cereal for breakfast. No, I not, missed no, that. Not with milk. 
I'll eat it dry. Puts it, puts it in a cup, eat it dry, like that's all the breakfast? time. That's your breakfast. I mean, I just did got I got milk this time. <laughs> I do not mind dry cereal. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a snack to me. <laughs> I think. Well, I think that's the drummer's secret, right? All right, eat. eat I'm a eat big. Dry I'm a big snacker. So, yeah. hey, do you, you got your own coffee now? Yeah, yeah, we got the own coffee, dude. Let me see it. Nice. We gotta try it. Yeah. Nice. It's uh, it's it's between medium and dark roast, which is my personal. Did favorite. you make a shirt of that yet? I want to. You should make a shirt of that. Definitely. Can we do That's what it? Zach said. Can we do it with the mocha who, as well? Who, who's, yeah. who's in the back? That's me. Right there. Yeah, it doesn't look like you. Me. Looks like uh, like Tony Iommi. <laughs> I bet. Uh, oh, okay, up, okay, up, okay, okay, okay. Now I see the purple hair. I didn't see the I didn't see the purple hair right there in the bottom. I saw. Oh, yeah, it. I see. And those yeah. are those are past. So basically, those are past podcast guests that that are that are dead. So when you have purple hair, how can you have a purple guitar? I'm trying. I've been trying for the past. Do you like year. Prince? I don't, but I'm basically <laughs> I'm basically borrowing his color. Totally. Purple rain. Yeah. Do you play that before you go on Purple Rain? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's cool. I'm noticing that a lot of metal guys are are um, putting up coffee businesses. You know, like Ace from from Dope has his own mm. coffee business as well. I, I, I think it's really cool. You know, like this metal coffee uh, link. Well, cause yeah. X band members are usually X addicts. Correct. Like, wow. So you're, you're, look, you're looking at one. I'm a, <laughs> I haven't done cocaine in about ten years. And, oh, so uh, you were a big cokehead? Yeah. Oh, I yes. didn't know that. Yeah, coke a lot, and then a lot of drinking, like the blacked out drinking. Did it fuck up your nose at all? No. I know people who don't have car. I know people who don't have cartilage in the middle. Oh, that was suck. Because it just it burned off with all this coke they did. And speed, coke oh. and speed, bro. It'll just. Man. Yep. Um, well, well, wait, well, we we got fucked because my first time doing cocaine was uh, we were in Colombia. So you so you have so you have the best. Then you come back up here. So well, where's that? Then you're like tra- chasing this impossible dragon. You know. Yeah, you know everything here is cut with baby laxatives or whatever. You know yeah. whatever they're cutting it with fentanyl now. Oh, now I would not do drugs Brutal. now. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I would bad. not touch it. I feel bad for anybody who's doing those drugs nowadays, man. Mm, fuck instant that, death. dude. Some of them instant death. You know. Well, if you're looking for for that uh, effect, ca- caffeine is it's, it's healthier for sure. So. Totally, <laughs> <laughs> it's like this. I can make my life better as opposed to destroy my life. You know, I like you know, you know, this is better yeah. for this is better for the riffs. And I've only started drinking coffee like really a couple years ago. A couple years ago, that's it. What'd you do in, in the morning? Nothing. Drank water. You, you got up and drank water. Yeah. Fuck. I don't drink coffee either. Or like a protein no, oh. shake or something like that. A meal replacer. Yeah, my, my 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 muscle milk stuff has caffeine. Oh yeah, he's in it. all about muscle milk. <laughs> dude, classic. Fucking muscle milk, bro. <laughs> muscle milk, bro. <laughs> Fucking fear factory, dude. Come on. Yeah, but my it has caffeine in the protein. The muscle milk? Mm-hmm. Does it really? Mm-hmm. Muscle milk has caffeine in it. Hey, yep. Jake, can can we pull up the uh, label somehow? Dang, muscle milk has caffeine in it. Do you dude? drink it too? No. Oh, okay. But you said you used to go to the gym, right? I, I still go. You still go? Yeah. But uh, muscle milk is, is I think, it, I think it tastes too good. Like, what else? Oh my gosh! So some of it does, some of it. Does. That's a lot of caffeine. One hundred twenty-five. I don't have the one that has like the extra caffeine, but that's a lot. That's basically. Is that extra caffeine right there? Yeah, that's like an actual like. Don't don't you're well, you're getting called out now. Don't fucking <laughs> coffee house. Okay, one hundred twenty-five is a lot because that's like basically like a cup of coffee. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. So which one do that's just one hundred twenty. That's the coffee version, so uh, I don't know. 
I had, I had an ex-singer that would drink that stuff, and he's, he'd always blame, like, oh, I can't sing today because I got diarrhea from what? Muscle milk. Ew. You're having way too much of it at that Drinking, point. Yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't do that to me. So That's because you got all the candy blocking, all the jelly. <laughs> That's true. All the gummies blocking. <laughs> that. That's true. What should we uh, do? You know, am I uh, am I missing anything? Just we got a lot, a lot of touring coming up. Mm. A lot of touring. So go to fearfactory.com for all the tickets and tour dates and all the above. Um, and uh, Pete's going to join Chippendales, by the way. And cool. then we'll see you there. Well, with that body, yeah, <laughs> that's sick, dude. That's, that's fucking badass. And Milo, uh, look for his pizza sauce <laughs> at the merch Sa- table. Signature pizza sauce, dude. There you go. Does Chippendale still exist? Oh, yeah, dude. I remember they had a show on Corona like a few months ago. <laughs> I, got a, I got a good story for you. Is, is, is that Pete in there? There's <laughs> Pete. Pete down under. <laughs> um, I got a good story for you. So right. in the very, 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 very beginning of Fear Factory, right, I joined Raymond's band. Because Raymond had a band called Extreme Death, right? Good band name. Yep, it's a horrible <laughs> name. To me, it's a horrible name, but whatever. Extreme Death. Yeah, there's already a, a million deaths out there. You know? Yep. Um, and we had this singer for a minute. I wanted to join Raymond's band because the band I was in, I quit because I saw Raymond play drums. I go, I need to play with that guy. Mm. I need to play with that guy. That guy can. He's got the feet, so I need to jam with him. So I. Raymond goes, well, you can join my... I'm not going to leave my band, but you can join my band because we need a guitar player. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. So I joined his band for like a week, right? Mm-hmm. Until his singer came in one day, and he goes, guys, I can't sing in the band anymore. And I was like, well, what's going on? He goes, well, I got a really good job with Chippendales. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> so he was dancing with Chippendales, bro. That's amazing. That's and awesome. in the back of my mind, I was going... Yes. <laughs> oh. Because. You could steal him now. I, I could take Raymond and fucking make a band. And that's what, exactly what we did. So I got the singer already. And so I got Bert and I brought him into the band. Chippendales helped start Fear Factory. <laughs> they sure did. They we, did. I never looked we at uncovered, it that way. We uncovered something so historic in new metal and metal. Wow. Chippendales started Fear Factory. Chippendales helped create Fear Factory. There you go. That's, that's the best. That's scene. me right there, and that's Pete. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Your factory sponsor Chris, by Chris Farley was one of my favorite comedians, man. Oh yeah, by far. What, what a legendary comedian, dude! Legendary. There's there's nobody like him. Nobody. But uh, John Candy, John Candy was similar. Yeah. John Candy. Who, who's that? I, I, I he does like the, he did those like vacation planes, movies and planes, stuff. trains, and automobiles. Planes, trains, and automobiles? That's before. Oh, okay, got it. I, he I, was in I the had, Blues Blo- Brothers, right? Yeah, I had yep. to see a picture. Yeah, yeah. He, he did. He always, I always liked those ones where you did like summer vacations with his families, too. It's not. Uh, there's another guy that does it. Chris too. Farley was more an extreme version of John Candy because John Candy didn't do Uncle Buck physical com- comedy. Yeah. Whereas uh, Chris Farley would land on a table and just destroy it you know what i mean he would do stuff like that yeah. so <laughs> it was also in uh, uh what's the name of that uh, beverly hills ninja you gotta watch that one oh that's great tommy boy tommy boy's great what's the name black of the- sheep a lot of movies what's the name of the director that did this baseball uh just john candy was in that one yeah 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 i i, 
I can't remember the the director. George Brooks. Uh, um, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Mel, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Yeah. I think I he was in a lot of movies by Mel Brooks. Uh, Love those movies though. Maybe. Sick. I'm not sure. Yeah, Mel Brooks is hilarious. Yeah, like Robin Hood, and. Uh, so this is your hundredth episode. Is that correct? Thank you, Dino, for bringing it up. This is the hundredth episode ever recorded, and this will also be posted. Uh, in October as the 100th episode. And I asked you earlier, am I the person who's only appeared on your show three times? I think you are the first and only person that has appeared more than twice. Thank you. Wow. And I, I, I want to... I want to publicly say, Dino... Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on. I do have something, but I don't have it here, but I want to give it to you. Okay. So you can hang it up. What do you got? Obsolete skateboard. Really? Yeah. Oh, that'd be sick. We get hanging up in a new spot. We're going to move in tomorrow. I'll give it to you for your uh, first anniversary uh, present for you and your lady. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, uh, yeah, Dino, I got, I got to tell oh, you. Your fourth anniversary, sorry. Yes, f- four years. It's yeah. going to be four years uh, in two days. Crazy. But yeah, you, you, you gave me the, my, my first shot. You were episode num- number ten, my my first big guest. Remember, remember, you you walked in. You're like, so you have anyone famous yet? In my head, I was like, yeah, it's, you're the first one. <laughs> and like, and you you were telling stories. That was my first time. Like, oh, I'm getting like some some real stories and trying like my first time navigating that that kind of conversation and. Yeah, and your lady was helping you do it in your garage. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. I think you had Ross Robinson right after that. A little bit after that. Yeah. 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 Ross and then Meigs right right after that one was Meigs. nice. Yeah, it was sick. Nice. So you kind of taught me, really taught me to start. Okay, this. How do you navigate these these stories? And took it took me a long time, you know. So 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 thank you for giving me a shot, you know. Yes, I noticed that your podcasts are getting better and better and better, and just get, keeps you. growing and growing. Congratulations. Thank you. thank you. Yeah. It's like just sitting there, just like ripping all day, and finally, oh wait, that doesn't suck as bad as it did last year. <laughs> so sick. is that one of your guitars right there? Yeah. Let's see it. Ooh. I actually follow. So this is one that you play live. This is the only one I play live. Wow. This is the only it's one. Seven, it's a seven strings Stratocaster. That's a seven now, string. Is this, wow. your, this is not your sig, is it? No, but I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get Fender to do a, a seven string, man. It's, it's, it's just been tough. You know, I actually been following all of your podcasts, either with Dino, you know, Ross, Mix, etc. Thanks, man. And and always, you know, like like I said before, I'm a huge uh, YouTube freak of my favorite band, so. Every time there's an interview or something like that, I watch all of it. You know, it could last like two hours, and I could watch all of it. So, uh, and I always, I was always looking at that guitar. I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six. Is it seven string Stratocaster? Oh my god, that's I, awesome. I think it's so. I think it's still new to people. People look at it and go, oh, that 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 can't be a seven, and then they assume it's a six string. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Is, is that a, I was wondering, is that a custom made or mm-hmm. or do do they don't, they don't put this out? No, uh-uh. I'm it's try- not out. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying hard. But this is, it's so it's so perfect. I don't see why they wouldn't. I remember we had that meeting. What happened to those seven strings that we're going to put out? Oh no! Yeah. COVID hit. Oh, COVID did hit, huh? And then like, I don't know if the shit has changed, right? Stopped everything. Yeah, yeah. Things yeah things really really changed. I'm trying to get Fender on board with with the seven strings to get me a get me a a signature. <laughs> that would be insane. That's right. I think a reverse headstock would be dope. That's right. Think so? Sure. Hold on. 
So this is the one you actually play live. I play that all, on. I play it every day. Yeah. Wow. Live. But, but but you take it on tour with you. Yeah, of course. Because how many do you have? It's one. One. I'm trying to That's make it. All they made you is just one. Yeah, dude. Just to get this one took a lot, dude. That's that took a lot. If you if you see the first two frets, they're they're just, they're fucked up because I don't need the two, first two frets. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, Over they're here? down here. No, they're, oh, the fuck. Top? Yeah, they're they're fucking big old dents. So I'm getting some really bad buzz. Where? Oh, on the on the actual. Yeah, on, on, on the actual fret. Yeah, I, I got to get a re a re fret job. Do you tune to drop A? Drop A, yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm, I know I'm somebody. Good. I know somebody will do it for cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. I knew a couple guys. Yeah, but trying. If, if they don't, if they don't do it for you, I know somebody will. Do you ever go to the? Don't they have a place in Corona? Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to get it. Do you ever go there and do it? Of course. Of course. I'm trying to make it to where they're making me a second one, then I can get that one fixed at, at the same time. That's what that, that's my brain plan. I'm trying. I hope they give hope they give you one because it's such such a cool guitar. I'm trying, man. You know, uh, ironically, the very Hi- first ironically, 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 it does still fuck up. So I'm sorry for my English, but so it, it's still in the in the perfectioning process. So. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. If I sound a little bit like this sometimes, Sick. but <laughs> but ironically, the very first guitar that I picked up was this, was this, uh, my dad's treadle because my both my parents are musicians mm-hmm. and my dad's like a blues uh, kind of guy. Uh, he plays electric too, but mostly a finger finger style acoustic. And he had this treadle, so the first time that I picked up a guitar was his treadle, and I I would tune him down to B. To play mm-hmm. first, you know, like Fear Factory stuff, you know, and uh, and and it sounded good, <laughs> you know, even turned out with very thin uh, strings, you know, because mm. he had that twangy thing going on. So, what's your backup guitar if that's your only seven string? Uh, I have a Jim Root Strat. Is it is six, it a six, six string? Yeah. And what do you, uh, you how do you just tune that one down yeah, to? T- take out the high E. I, okay. I, I don't use the high E, man. Come yeah, on, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's too bad that they don't. It's too bad they don't make more because that that's a, that's a great looking guitar. Thank you. And I'm then re- reverse headstock would be even dope too. I might try that next time. People have been pushing the uh, reverse headstock, also the uh, fat headstock too. People have been wanting to try it. The what? Uh, they uh, like the seventies headstock. It's fatter. It's like like a fat headstock. Yeah, but the, the Jimroot has has the seventies headstock. Oh, so it's bigger. Yeah. Uh, I see. I don't really like it, but you know. Yeah, no, I think this is perfect. But I think a reverse headstock would be dope because I don't think there's not a lot of them like that. It's true. I, I might, Is there any I might look up re, look up uh, Fender reverse headstocks? Let's see if there's anything reverse. I haven't really. People seen. sell them off market. They're probably bootlegged. That's a this, this is one of the most bootleg guitars. This and Gibson are the most bootleg guitars. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta do a lot to make sure it's a. Authentic has got a lot of people. Oh, people, people. I mean, you can buy them in China for like you know, 100 bucks, 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I got, I, I got a real Fender, I got a real Gibson. No, you get, no, you, no, you actually you got fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some of them are so good, you don't tell, you can't tell the difference. Really, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Damn. It's kind of like sneakers when people bootleg sneakers. Mm. I don't know if you know about that. I'm a sneakerhead, so no. there's a lot of bootlegs out there. That's why I only buy the my shoes uh, at the actual website. I just got these Adidas. My Adidas walking through concert the, halls. The most new metal shoe of all time. I got it, Woo. you fucks. Uh, <laughs> shell toe. The shell toe. You know, how many people back in the 90s and early 2000s were wearing these exact shoes? 
Oh, uh, hundreds, thousands, millions. Because, yeah. because uh, well, it was a scene. It was a look. It was a look. Plus, huh? Adidas actively went out and, and got bands. Like, they approached us. Did they? Oh, they gave us boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff. Holy moly. Yeah. I, I wore the shoes and maybe a shirt, like the black one with the three stripes. Yeah. And that's about it. That's why all those bands were wearing Adidas. Yeah. Because so they, they were actively But they would give there. us boxes. And I was like, okay, I don't want to look like Korn because Korn popularized it yeah. in the metal genre. I just didn't want to look like that. Yeah. So I only wore the shoes or maybe one of the shirts. Mm. That was it. Did you wear these? They did, uh, they did make us shower, uh, what do they call them? Shower robes. <laughs> so when you get out of the shower, it has your name, Adidas logo. Really? Yeah. Did you, did you still have it? No. I gave oh. it away. You gave it away? Yeah. Oh, that I would have kept that shit for life. I probably would have took it to my, to my grave. Now, I wish I had it. But yeah. back then, I was like, it was just like another, because there was a lot of clothing companies that were just giving people stuff. Mm. Sunglass companies. Sure. Um, even Calvin Klein was giving away stuff. No. And guess what? I can never wear it. Why? Too big. None of that shit fit me. Yeah. Calvin Klein was more for skinny guys like you guys, you know? Mm-hmm. I couldn't wear it. They didn't make no double X and three X and they didn't make shit like that. So all I could wear is like glasses and that's about it. So everybody was approaching you guys. A lot. Of, not just us. A lot of bands. It's not. That's a time that we'll never understand where like, like mainstream and companies were approaching like the metal bands do you remember a sunglass company called black flies nope they were they were from black Hunting- flies huntington beach they were called black black flies they were giving them out like crazy like i would get boxes of that oh i never seen these before in my life they look like you know they, they look like totally huntington beach you know dude this is a- very huntington beach for yes, sure yeah and that was like they were giving us like crazy and i'd wear them all the time and then um who a, a band called i mean a a clothing company called Rubber Soul, I think they were called, or Soul something. Gave Rubber us a bunch Soul. of stuff. And wow. then and then a DVS, a skateboard company called DVS. Oh, yeah, D- yeah. DVS. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that, that was a very I had big... Like, I had like fucking 100 pairs of those shoes. It was insane. They were just giving shit away. Oh, yeah. Quite crazy. Shirts. I had killer shirts. People were, people were starting... Like You ever heard of Tribal? Of course. From San Diego? Yes. They gave us all... Just companies were just... All these companies were just sprouting out, and they're just giving them to all the bands to wear on stage, and and I think Adidas kind of started that with Corn, mm. right, and other bands, and then it just kind of blew up, and then so all these other companies were starting their own, you know, little merch companies, and they were just giving free stuff to all the musicians, all the musicians. Hmm. Yeah, that's that, that's probably why Pony was kind of everywhere for like uh, like six remember, months remember Osiris a company Osiris. called Osiris uh, yeah Osiris yeah, shoes just all kinds <clears throat> of I had so much stuff I had so many sh- I uh our our old bass player had like literally built a rack like you know those racks you buy at a hardware store you pull, put it together you got a bunch of racks like it's like shelving you would get for like your warehouse yeah he had that in his house stacks of shirts it's still in the plastic I'll wear this one today. Yeah, take it out. What a time! But I would just buy. I would buy like Dickies. You know, Dickies mm-hmm. T-shirt. They put out the black, black, black yeah. shirt and white shirt, whatever. Mm-hmm. I would just buy a ton of those, like boxes of them, for nothing, for cheap. And then I would just wear them every day. White, white Dickie shirt. I'm done with it. Wear a couple of days. Throw it away. Get another one. 
They were like, you know, like back then it was like, I don't know, five bucks each. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was like nothing. You know, it cost like nothing. Hmm. And I would do that while I was on tours, wear those shirts all the time, black or black ones or white ones. Then mm. I would I would have um, the only Adidas that I did get that I still have is the first Kobe Kobe Bryant when he first went with Adidas. He released these shoes called the Crazy Eights because mm. his number was eight. Yeah, and uh, I still have those shoes. That's sick. Yeah. What year was that? What the fuck are those? I had I had those too. Yep. I wore those. I wore those. Oh, in the, wow. The 1996 Ausfest. You could probably see a live video me wearing those shoes. 96 Ausfest. 96. 97. I'm sorry. 97 Ausfest. Who else played that year? Uh, Pantera, Marilyn Manson. There's Bert. Bert's looking good, dude. YouTube has everything. You, you, I if, know. If, if you if you look, you you go find a certain show. That that's just the interview right there. Alfredo. All right, I'm gonna try to find these shoes then. There you go. Look at uh, oh. what, what am I wearing there? What shoes? Wow. Are, it's we found it. <laughs> it could be. Uh, oh, there it is. It's just regular Adidas, I think. Yeah. There's Black Dickies T-shirt. Wow. Uh, oh, the those are the uh, campus. I think they're called. Yeah, yeah. They're just standard campuses. So it was yeah. it was the campuses and the uh, shell toes that were massive. Yeah, the campus really messed up my feet because they were flat. They were flat, and my feet has an arch. Yeah. And so having flat shoes, jumping up and down like that, oh man, it messed up my feet. Fuck, it sucks. Fear Factory, Nevada Ozfest, June ninety seven. Look, look, look at that tech giving me water. Look at. That. That's not water. Still playing. That's oh, not. It? That's not water. It was water, huh? Yeah. It was because you're not. You, you, thought, you thought it was a Corona or something? Look at yeah, it. I was just trying, trying to do a quick shot. What was Ozfest like? Love it. That's D manufacturer right there. You can tell, huh? Mm. The drumming, Pete. Come on, yeah. Come on, Pete. Okay, actually, no. Let, we should. Uh, we we could talk the podcast with this. You know, Raymond. Was it Raymond that brought in the drum triggers? <clears throat> Um, what? I believe there might have been other bands using it, right? Okay. But, but in 92, we were in Europe and we were doing a, a festival tour. And one of the shows, Deicide linked up with us. And I remember Steve was having issues with his triggers, right? Because they were double triggering. Yeah. Any kind of vibration on the stage would, would fire off a trigger. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Raymond was the one who helped Steve from DSI, the drummer, help him set up his triggers to where they won't vibrate. So what you got to do is what a million drummers know now, but back in 92, you got you to deaden the inside of your drums. So that's either done with pillows, blankets, whatever you got, foam, whatever you got. Underwear, throw it Because the inside of the shell vibrates from the air. So if you kill that air... It won't fire off a double trigger. Mm. You know, nowadays they make stuff for that stuff, but back then they weren't making anything for that. You got to put you got to put pillows that we steal from the hotel or from your tour bus. Take those pillows, whatever. Mm. You know, take one of these black curtains that you see at a fucking show, Boom. steal it and throw it in there. You know what I mean? Fuck. Whatever you can to stuff that <clears throat> kick drum. That's what we would do. Hmm. That's how you got to do it to make it non not resonate. Back then. Now, like I said, you know, 
they make stuff for that. So you, they buy they you can, they make pads for that stuff. Mm. But still, I think Pete still puts pillows in there too. Sometimes I'll right? use whatever. Yeah, I mean, down in South America, <laughs> we had to use whatever they had in the venue sometimes. So yeah, yeah, nice. we, when we were touring South America, we get different drum kits. Yeah, every show. Every day, yeah. So you got to like you know throw your dirty underwear and. <laughs> You know. on, on the Static Axe tour, you actually played with uh, with a dead drum head, right? It was like made of yeah, rubber. It was or some, some kind of Evans drum head that was like more mesh. It was mm. different, yeah, but it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it almost made no sound. It was like almost yeah. like a, a a pad drum head. Yeah, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sick. Yeah, see, that's the little stuff you got to throw in the kit. So a lot of drummers didn't know that back then, but Raymond had discovered it really early, huh. and so he was showing other drummers what to do. Why did Raymond start using triggers? Because we wanted that consistent sound, and we wanted to make it sound like the record, because mm. we used triggers on the record. Oh, okay. Well, we didn't necessarily record with triggers. Mm-hmm. We um, uh, went back, and we um, what we did is we... Um, Use the actual live kick on the tape to trigger the kick. Yeah. To trigger the kick, the the, the trigger. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. So it was kind of it was a long process, right? Because you got to play the whole record on tape for it to, to for it to. And if it misfires, you got to go back. Oh wow. Yeah, like one doesn't come out on D manufacture. There's a snare roll. On one of the replica. Uh, he, he knows. Yeah, replica. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a snare trigger missing. I don't know why we didn't catch it before. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we should have had Milo there to be, hey, there's, there's a, 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 a snare. <laughs> there we go. Also, <laughs> also in Power Shift, there's a, there's a miss snare. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't catch that one. Dang. I did. <laughs> got, got lucky. Who were, uh, who were some of the first drummers that were you, you, like using triggers? I don't know. Hmm. Damn, it's, it's maybe, like, maybe Ministry? ministry um i don't know to be honest with you. So I mean, it, maybe it's but we, we know time. that a million people use it on record i mean scott burns the guy who uh recorded all those death metal bands in florida he was using yeah. triggers for a lot of people's records mm. but i knew that people were using i want to say maybe pantera yeah pantera was, pantera using, did, yeah. was using d-drum they were using d-drum triggers and a d-drum system that was kind of popular you probably didn't <clears> hear about it no yeah it's kind of like a little red box and the triggers were red, the little trigger. Things. Oh, yeah. I remember the, the yeah. triggers. Yeah. So it was a company called D-Drum. And then there was, I mean, maybe Igor from Subbatora might have been using it at the time. He did but, too, yeah. Yeah. But just on kick drums, no? He did the whole kit. The whole kit? Oh. So there you go. What year? This was 90s, like right around uh, 95, 96. That you knew of? That I, all the videos that I saw, yeah. What about mm. before that? No. Let's call him up right now. No. <laughs> Before, no. Let's call Igor. Where's the... <laughs> Before, no. Because I have all the We can get Igor on the show. Hey, when was the first time you used triggers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess, well, yeah, well, I guess it'll be a, a continued journey to see who, uh, I guess, will ask questions when we get the opportunity. Yeah. What do you mean? What? To figure out about the trigger. Um, yeah, I guess. Oh, who was the first guy to use yeah. triggers? Well, we came out with it. I don't know. If, we're definitely not the first ones to do it, but we yeah. started that way. Boom, we were like, yeah. boom, we needed to get this. And plus, it sounded better in the PA in the room. Oh, of course. And we we used to do the whole kit as well. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy how like now it's 
every band pretty much does that. It's crazy. I think so. Do you guys? Oh yeah, we, we use we triggers just just on the kicks, right? You have to, yeah, yeah. That's basically how we've been strokes. doing it too. Damn. He he hits a snare so hard, it's like <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Got that gummy bear snare, man. What's up? Hundred <laughs> percent. And he breaks a lot of snare heads. Fuck yeah! Sticks, <laughs> cymbals, sticks, that's, <laughs> everything. That's when you know. Well, Dino and and you guys, thank you for letting me be a part of of your new journey. You know, thank you for cool. having us. It's been a pleasure. Is this the first time the bands, uh, the full bands, on, on the podcast? It's the first time. Well, we didn't get Tony. No. But you need to get Tony. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's he's on my list. <clears throat> yes. Oh, that's easy. I mean, just tell him. Great. Yeah. Oh, okay, Great okay, okay. He, his, girl, his girl lives out here, so he's out here a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you can get him. Santa Ana has a lot, lot of history. It's crazy. So, so many people live, live here. Yeah. Tony well, lives in LA, but his girl lives out here, so. Sick. Let's, well, ca- let's call him right now. <laughs> hey, so what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Uh, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in five minutes, you fuck? <laughs> I've been waiting on the rehearsal already. Spot. Practice already? You said five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for uh, tr- trusting me, getting the other story out there. So honored as always. Thank so, you. Where can people find okay. you guys again? Fearfactory.com, Brody. Fearfactory.com. Or, or any of our socials. I'm Dino Cazares. So you can go to my socials. Mila Silvestre. He's Havoc Drums. Which he needs to change it to Pete Weber <laughs> Drums. Pete Weber. Muscle Havoc. Milk. Muscle Milk Weber. Havoc. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh now, there we go. <laughs> Now, now we're talking. And I wanted to say it's it's a it's an honor for me to be here because, like I said before, I've been following your podcast with Dino and the other guests, you know, since since you first started. And uh, so, it went, when I was looking at you two talking, it was almost like you know watching your podcast again with <laughs> Dino, but in real life. So it was like mind fucking in a way. It was like, am I here? Am I watching it with my my smartphone? You know, so it, it's a pleasure. Just thank thank for having me. Thank for having us. Anytime, you know, I mean, you know, like it's uh, life is a crazy dream sometimes. It is. You're like, <laughs> you gotta you know, remember. You gotta remember. He's in Rome, Italy. He's not. We take things for granted because shit here. There's so much stuff here in L.A. Yeah. He's dreaming out there and. In Italy, like to be here and to meet the bands and meet the guys and you know and just because yeah. that's he's a fan of the music. So I actually, I actually, I give you this this little story. Actually, the second and last time that I saw Fear Factory live was 2012 uh, in Rome, and uh, this is a story in a story. Havoc was opening up for Fear yes. Factory, which is crazy, right? Yes. And I remember that guy, you know, because I was impressed by his drumming. And uh, after the show, I was lucky enough, you know, I was waiting outside with a bunch of fans and I couldn't meet Bert and Dino. And uh, I remember that I gave, because I know all history of all my favorite bands. And I knew that Dino was a huge talent scout back in the day for, for a lot of bands that I love, like Spine Shank, Old Chamber, and Static X. I was like, oh, he's a huge talent scout, so maybe I can give him the demo of my band, that channel. Just is a band that I technically still have, but, you know, I don't, don't have time to do things right now, but... So I gave him the demo, and it was the Edge Crusher cover on it. Of course, he, he doesn't remember about it. I was like, Dino, you're my guitar god. Can I give you my demo? I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> so, and 10 years later, here we go. You know, Hold on. Tell wow. the whole story. You got to tell the whole story. Uh, yep. What was the whole story? Well, when you met us, when what happened? Tell, tell the whole story. Oh, with, with Bert as well? Tell the whole story. <laughs> tell oh. the whole story. Uh, okay. It was weird because <laughs> it, w- it was funny because we were waiting outside, and... Uh, so finally, Bert and Dino came out, and uh, 
Bert was was with a empty Italian wine bottle and was like, "Oh, just let me put this back in the tour bus in the tour bus and I'll be back," you know. And Dino was with flip flops, which I, I found funny. So I was like, "Oh, look at Dino with flip flops." Came so, out uh, of the shower, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, so uh, we had pictures with both of them, and uh, but I don't know why you know, I was fanboying so hard with both of them. But Dino was like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. You have a guitar? Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the picture. And, uh, but for some reason, I don't know if Bert was like uh, fucked up or something, but it, it didn't look like so. It was, it was pretty sober. It looked sober, but uh, it, it, beside the fact that he had an empty wine bottle. Yeah. But we took a picture and he, we hugged, you know, and then I was like, fanboying with him as well. I was like, hey, Bert, you're my, you know, thank you for saving my life with your art and your music, blah, blah. And he didn't say a word. It, it was just, you know, it was like, turn back and, and go. And I was like, Sick. what? I just declared my love to you? <laughs> yeah. I just told you I love you. Exactly. <laughs> and so we made this joke with Dino a lot of times, like, oh, maybe did he foresee the future? Like, you're going to be the motherfucker that's going to take my place. Wow. <laughs> that's wow. funny, right? <laughs> He looked That's like, the whole story. That's the whole story. <laughs> That's a trip. He looked like he was not pleased to see me. You know? Man. <laughs> really? He didn't say when single word. It was like... That's sick. Walked away. You know. Not one word. So that's the whole story. <laughs> yeah, you can't leave that part out. That's, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and I don't mean it in a, in a hateful way. It's just funny, it's right? Just funny, I mean, it's just funny. And he loved, he loved, you know, that's pretty much what he was influenced by. Yeah. That, he's, he's one of the main reasons I'm here, you know. I mean, because I was so obsessed by his vocal style that I shaped my my vocal style to him as mm. well, you know. All the singers too, but, you know, he was... When I saw them, like, first time in Bologna, in North Italy, like, 2010, was the Mechanized Tour, I was like, okay, this is what I want to become, you know, just, just vocal-wise, you know. Uh, mm. His style and everything, so that that's how I love him as an artist, you know. So, cool. Well, there you go. You you are doing, in my opinion, you are doing a phenomenal job. Thank and you very cool. much. And it's cool. <laughs> it's cool to see. It's cool. It's cool to hear. I mean, I, as as a friend, it's cool to see Dino. I mean, stoked to play mu- music because you I, you actually feel it. Like, damn, they're they're fucking they're on fire right now. It's sick. <laughs> it's yeah. cool. And and knowing like the whole backstory, I'm like, damn. A, a, after all that shit, still, <laughs> still, and, oh, and, yeah. and 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 to kind of get back that 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 love, it, it gives me you know. That that uh, inspires me and gives me hope to keep going, no matter what. Exactly. No matter what. Well, exactly. I want to say this. Uh, uh, I love those guys. I've been loving those guys since forever. And uh, beside the fact that that's cliche, but you know their music uh, literally saved my life. You know, so I owe I owe these guys more more than than everything. So uh, I I'm proud of of uh, uh, having the torch passed to me, and I'm proud of being. Uh, part of the team that's gonna uh carry on the legacy you know the mm-hmm. vocal legacy dino's legacy you know so I, i'm and i'm all of us are willing to do that in the best way possible so we're working so hard to do that so mm-hmm. even that's pete <laughs> doing the most work <laughs> <laughs> that is true right yeah drummers do do the most work <laughs> pete milo dino Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. That's it. Later.